0: Hey, and welcome back to Fidelity, the conversational show about the work of design. I'm Bill Chung, and I'm joined by my friend and fellow nerd, John Rundle. Hello, John. Hey, how's it going? Good. It's been a while, man. I think I've like I think yeah. I was off on vacation a week ago, kicking back on on a local island. So we just haven't chatted on the show for a little while. I know it's been a little bit. Yeah. Um. You know, John, I I should have said something about this earlier, and mm-hmm. I think it's been a long time coming, but I really wanted to tell <laughs> you that. Um that I'm being serious here. I'm not going to make fun okay. of you. Okay. I,
1: thought
0: was, <laughs> I thought it was going to be something funny. Like the time you had a dream about me. Oh, oh, well I have dreams about you all the time, man. Um, <laughs> oh, man. but, okay. um, <laughs> well, we'll cut that out. Uh, <laughs> um, I, uh, yeah, I'm being real here. I, I, I really and truly enjoy doing these episodes with you. And I don't think I've told you that. Like, I think Even though we've got like 50 people who might actually listen to us, I'm like, (laughs) I'm always learning something from you. And these episodes we've done, uh, no exception. And also, I think you're just one of the the nicest people in this industry that I've ever met. Um, And you were, and you continue to be um, a a really amazing coworker. So I just wanted to let you know that. Uh, Thanks, man. Appreciate that. Of course. I mean,
1: I would likewise that all the way back to you. I, I really love doing these with you, I think they're fun. I like think it's great to like just chat about this stuff. Like that's what we always enjoy doing when we were like having one-on-ones at Shopify too. It's like yeah. let's just talk about random design process things and it's it's cool to share that and and like have discussions about it and I like doing it on this show too. 100%.
0: Yeah. Even though we've got like uh there there are like the five people that are listening to us, <laughs> uh, I I I'm just enjoying it. Um but you know, related to being a great coworker, I wonder have you ever considered what it would be like to be a poor coworker, like like intentionally? <laughs> I think like um, <laughs> there's this like pervasive belief I think that people have um, that people who are ruthless and like just just nasty they yeah. tend to succeed in the industry, and I'm you know right. I'm talking about Steve Jobs that comes to mind. Um, mm-hmm. Have you ever considered? what your design career would be like if you were just like, (laughs) just a naturally rude and abrasive person at work. You ever thought about that?
1: I don't know. not really like, I feel like it, it'd be hard to do that if you're not like naturally
0: like that. I don't know. Or intentionally do that. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, has anyone ever told you that when you were growing up that like, you know, you've got to like take, take life by the balls and like, you know, (laughs) uh, make it your own. Right. Like, and I think like, uh, like like my my dad would tell me that he's like oh, yeah. you gotta stop being a nice guy you gotta get into work and just like mm. you know like that whole mm-hmm. trope mm-hmm. of like you go to jail and you find the biggest guy in jail and you beat him right. up and like how, right. how you like determine who's the boss. Um, mm. I, I've never prescribed to that, but um, I have tried being like a little bit more. Uh, I wouldn't say ab- uh, yeah, sure, okay, abrasive. I've I've been a ab- have tried to be abrasive at work just to see what it would happen, um, mm. to see what would happen and. Um, It didn't work out too well. Like I think I literally went into a Slack channel and started just like being extremely direct about my feedback, Mm. and it just felt so uncomfortable. But you know, I'm sure you know people who are really good at it. Uh, I'm not. Like I, I don't know. I just feel like I want to be someone that's approachable that no Mm -hmm. no one's going to be really afraid of. But the I guess the disadvantage of that is that you know people think that. They might be able to take advantage of you uh, yeah. I don't know have you ever had that problem
1: um I've always wondered that like I've always wondered if I like am I come off as too nice at times. you know what I mean like where people like i'm I feel like I'm sometimes too easily swayed by other opinions, mm-hmm. even though I like try to stick to my own a lot like I do actually really believe that mentality of like strong opinions loosely held because mm-hmm. I, I tend yeah. to like live by that quite a bit um sometimes I'm like am I too loosely held <laughs> on some of these ideas but <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I think, have you ever done those Enneagram, um, personality tests? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So I'm a, I'm a nine, which is like the total, like people pleaser, um, one. Mm -hmm. And like so much of it, like summarizes how I interact with people. Um, I just like try to like foster good, um, relationships and conversations between people. And I don't like. I don't like having tension or things like that in, in like either friend groups or at work or whatever. So, I my tendency is always usually to try to find like a middle ground for everything, right? Um, yeah, so yeah, I feel like it would be hard to break out of like <laughs> what my like main my actual personality is. You know, that Even would be was, so
0: fun to see though. Yeah, like, I would just to love to see you go off the rails, man. That'd be. St- <laughs> I mean, I don't,
1: I don't shy away from like getting into a good, strong debate, though. If there's something I care sure. a lot about in design, I mean, you, you you remember some of the the back and forths I would have with like Jason and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I know he loved it too, but it was definitely like we would get into some debates. It was good,
0: but, but yeah, I think it's healthy. I think it's yeah, healthy. It like, uh, I mean, I'd be worried about anyone who didn't get into a debate on occasion, oh, but yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I remember e- even you and I, we would debate on things yeah. all the time yeah. and it was never uncomfortable. I think that that's right. r- where you kind of want to land at work, right? It's like, we can have these debates and not end up like ignoring each other for a month.
1: Right? Yeah. You can have strong opinions and like share them um, directly, but still be, but still do it in a way that's like gracious. And the, I think it, I think it's more powerful then. like, I feel like then, People, those people will come back to you more often. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. And you'll have more opportunity to influence them even more.
0: Yeah, um, I, th- I think that's, that's exactly it. Um, but you know, coming back to my experiment of just being like, <laughs> yeah. just a complete jackass at work, I, I, I think I, I might have uh, gone into a Slack channel and someone had said something and my emoji reaction with a thumbs down. And like, nice. so, like, <laughs> like, I don't, you know, no one does that, right? I don't think anyone yeah, yeah. ever does that. But I was no. like, let me, what would happen if I did what that, right? Because I actually disagreed with the opinion. But instead of just like tiptoeing yeah. around it, I just, I just gave it a thumbs down. Right. Uh, I regretted it instantly. Um, yeah. I, I, I don't do that. And, yeah. yeah. Um, my coworker just came up to me afterwards and was like, "Are you are you okay, Bill? Like, <laughs> like what's going on? Right? Well, what what happened to you? Right?" Yeah. Um, anyway, I'm I'm not going back there, but I just thought it would be interesting to to chat about it because like That's people talk about it all the time. They're, they they're do, like, yeah. Oh, you've got to stand up for yourself and all that stuff, right? But I I've never had a problem at work with people just like walking all over me. That that luckily yeah. hasn't happened to me. So
1: yeah, no. Likewise, but it is it is true how like you hear about that as being like. The way to be successful or like it always yeah. seems attached to like some successful CEOs you like always like that or something <laughs> maybe that just means we'll never be CEOs I don't know
0: it's, it's very likely yeah <laughs> I'm okay with that I'm totally okay with yeah, that. yeah that's fine we don't I don't need uh, that <laughs> so today we thought it'd be fun to connect some of our hobbies and, and side interests with our day jobs in product design and I've been learning uh, that you've got to have something completely different waiting for you outside mm-hmm. of work, ideally something that, that takes you away from the computer. And uh, and this is actually related to a tweet I had just the other day where I was just expressing how difficult it was for me to just like stop thinking about work. And this mm-hmm. is related, that you know, I I've, I don't have a good handle on my hobbies. And like, I think this, the balance between my hobbies and my life versus work, it's just always been sort of off off kilter. Um and I think the reason I think you sometimes want something off the computer away from anything that has to do with the craft of design is that, is that work can sometimes invade your innermost thoughts unless you really fill the void with something interesting that you love. Um, know, we talked about this at work too, John, like, I, I don't know how you do it, but you seem to be able to draw like pretty good boxes around work and life. Is, is that still true for you?
1: Yeah, I do. I mean, I think having like a young family like forces it in some ways. Yeah, um, it does. Yeah. But then I think just through experience of when I was first starting out in design, like I took a. I when I was working full time, I took on like a lot of freelance projects mm-hmm. and did a lot of work outside of work, um, and I really enjoyed it. But I, I just like I found that there were certain points where I was taking on too much. And it got sure. like more stressful, or I wasn't able to do maybe some of the hobbies that I also enjoyed doing. Mm-hmm. That I just kind of slowly worked on um, creating those like more uh, strong boxes around the different spaces, and and like really keeping work at work as much as I can. I mean, it's hard mm-hmm. too, like especially when you're like working on something kind of fun, and you you're thinking about it in the evening, anyways. Um, yeah. Even if you're not working on it, but. Sure. um trying to reduce that to just the times when it's actually in like, it's in my mind, that stuff's okay. If it's something that you're actually really excited about, it's less mm-hmm. okay. If it's you, you're worrying about something that is more stressful than it is exciting. Then right. that's when it leaks into like maybe a bit more unhealthy or not good for you to like be in that mentality. Whereas yeah. like, I think it's okay to, to get excited about something that you really want to work on. And then like, um, branch out of that box that you had for work because mm. in those times that can be where you you get a lot of great inspiration and actually enjoy the work a lot more but mm. reducing the stress mm-hmm. aspect of it I think is the
0: important piece that's a really good distinction because I mean I, I've always been uh, so binary in my thinking like you know I'm I'm thinking about work or I'm not thinking about work but right. there are parts of it that I, I truly do love like maybe there's an exciting like uh, workshop that I'm going to attend um, or, or maybe, you know, someone at work is going to be teaching me something new. Like those things I get excited about and I think about those things. But mm-hmm. I don't want to be thinking about, oh, that really stressful meeting I have to attend or a really yeah. dreadful like one-on-one where I know it's going to get tense. Like thinking about that is just, that's a that's a different level yeah. of anxiety, I think. So yeah, I yeah, think that's totally. a good distinction. Um, not entirely bad to think about work as long as it's the right parts of work. Yeah. Right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, No, I can think of a couple things that, uh, that has this effect of like filling that void of work for me. Um, I know you do too, John. And, uh, how how about you kick us off? I I know like what keeps you busy outside of work?
1: Yeah. I mean, for me, uh, I've always been really close to, or really enjoyed uh, playing sports. Um, since Mm -hmm. I was a kid, um, played a lot of like. Oh, hockey's always been there. Um, I played like high level um, competitive hockey for many, many years. Um, Like I remember, remember back in my high school days, like playing both like competitive travel hockey as well as playing for my high school team Mm -hmm. and doing, I was probably on the ice, like a good, seven to eight times a week Um, because like some days would be twice in the day kind of thing because with high school hockey, you'd like play in the afternoon and then again for my other team in the evening. And so I, but I always like look really fondly back on those times. Like I just, I really enjoyed those years of playing that much um, and playing at like a high level um, and really enjoying it. And then like I've always kind of filled in around hockey with other sports, like when it's not winter time, like a, when I was younger, it was a lot of baseball um basketball at times and then now as i'm older and my my knee hurts me too much when i play baseball oh, no. i uh i play i do way more golf now i've gotten like huge into golf um and i just i enjoy it a lot so i i find yeah. like there's there's the two aspects for me with sports it's like the one of of disconnecting from work like i love i still play pickup hockey in the um in the winter so like tuesday nights i'm back up into it and it's like a nice mm. way to get out of the house and and totally disconnect and be like doing something completely different, getting exercise, which is always helpful when we sit at a desk for most of the day. Um, Or in the summer, like getting out for early rounds of golf and stuff like that. It's just, I I actually love doing that right before work if I can. Like I usually Mm -hmm. try to do a a quick nine holes or something before work. And I I find I'm actually, those days I actually feel more creative. I think just because of like, I've just started my my day in a way that like is I'm having fun. I'm enjoying something. It's like challenging me, yeah. um, and then it kind of gets me in a good headspace for for work, which is cool. Yeah. Um, and then the other aspect of it that I've always um, or I've realized recently over the last couple of years is that um, I think sports and growing up playing competitively um, really helped me learn like or developed a competitive drive within me that I think actually has helped me in my career in the sense that it's like helped me push myself at times when even if I feel like I don't quite have the skill to pull off something. Like it, mm-hmm. maybe years ago, it was trying to get more into to code again and learning like Swift, um, and and kind of being dumped with like when I ran my own company. The one there was one project that came in that like we didn't have time to really take on, but I was like, oh, I've been learning um, development and I, I can jump in and help build out most of this app myself. Mm -hmm. And, and a lot of that was like, I didn't really know how to do it. I only like surface level did. Um, but that, (laughs) I think that competitive drive from sports, that the idea of like always trying to get better and like you're, if you're not good enough, you have to just keep working at it. Um, Mm -hmm. like helps me then in those situations be like, I can take that on and I will put in the time and effort to make it work, um, and not give up on it. Um, and I I I think, yeah, I think that that has come in developing that from like an early
0: age. Yeah, you know, there's something interesting about sports that I just realized that um, we're talking about, you know, ways of disconnecting and like, you know, being in your own headspace is that when you're playing sports, especially competitive sports, you can't, really think about anything else no. Like there's nothing yeah. that could enter your head mm-hmm. because you're so focused on either like taking on your opponent or like y- you know being a good teammate mm-hmm. um so th- that in itself is sort of a natural way to really disconnect it forces you to do it right? yeah it does it really does yeah. do you feel yeah. like you like with <laughs> when, I, when i used to play sports i found that mm-hmm. like i kind of dreaded it a little bit in the sense mm-hmm. that uh not, not because i was bad at it but there's this because it's challenging and you know it's going to be challenging, but then right. it's the anticipation of it that like I hate it the most. I'm like, oh, no, I don't, I, you know, I'm just going to stay on the couch tonight. But mm. when you actually get onto the 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 ice or you get onto the the gym floor, something changes. Like it, it yeah. you, you start to feel a little bit more stoked about it. Do uh, you ever get that feeling where you're just like not looking forward to it?
1: <laughs> uh, I mean, the only times I think I have is when I, there was teams or something or coaches that I had that I just didn't like and <laughs> made it less enjoyable, but I don't think I, I never had as much of that, what you described. I know a lot of people do. Yeah. Um, I think the interesting part that I've realized for myself is in sports, I, I, I usually played a lot of team sports, obviously with baseball and hockey, but um, I was always putting myself in the position of like the individual player in the team sports. Mm-hmm. Like I, I did a lot, I was a pitcher a lot in baseball and I'm a goalie in hockey mm-hmm. and the one really important factor that they all teach you when you're when you're learning how to be a, a good goalie in hockey is that you always have to forget about the last goal that you let in and just like right. and just put that out of your mind and focus on just making the next save. Right. Um, and so I think if I go back to like what you were describing of that um, not being excited to like get into the challenging aspect, I think something I learned really early on as being a goalie, is that like I was always anticipating the next thing? So like even mm-hmm. if I had a really poor game the last game, like I would put that in my mind, and I would be, I would almost want to get back into another game like immediately just to be able to like prove to myself again that I could do better. Right. Um, and I think so that I would. There's actually many times where I would actually be more anticipating the next game if I had a poor one the time before. Which yeah. I know for a lot of people it would be the opposite. <laughs> right. But um I think that's just like something that that came with being in that
0: position. Yeah. Um that I learned early on. Does that I mean does that carry over to your work? Like do you feel like like um when you get some feedback on your project that just doesn't it, it, it's you know it's it's negative, it's not positive. Um mm-hmm. and then you realize, okay, I've got this feedback now, I know exactly what to do. I've got to get back in there. Is that sort of what you're talking about? Like yeah. that desire to get back at it?
1: Yeah, I mean there's there's times where I have still sat for a day or two like being bummed <laughs> out about it but like sure. I definitely then have the moment where it clicks where it's like okay, I want, to prove, I want to prove to myself or to that person that I can really like make this 10 times better. Yeah. Um, right. And yeah, I definitely, yeah, I've never really thought about it actually that way um, that's kind of connected to that same idea um, as sports,
0: but like, yeah, it's definitely been there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're inspiring me to get off my ass and actually like <laughs> get back into something. Like I, I've just become such a homebody, like ever since becoming a parent and like, uh, COVID, like I just like have retreated yeah. onto my couch after, after work. So,
1: <laughs> I mean, let me be clear. Like I, 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 this sounds like I'm coming off like, Ooh, I do this like all the time, but like, most probably 90% of my time after work is just sitting on the couch watching. TV. So <laughs> okay. I am not that <laughs> I'm not what I'm making it sound like I am. Like I am more than happy to just like completely disconnect by watching some random show or well, playing some video games or something. So
0: I'm, I, I'm the same most of the thanks, time. Man. I uh, I feel like less of a slob. Thank you. <laughs> um, I, you know, I, I've got one to share. Yeah. Like I, um, you know, writing has always been yeah. uh, top of mind, uh, a hobby of mine. And I know some people think of it as like a function of their jobs, but like for me, it, it is a hobby. Like I get up early in the morning so I can spend some quiet time writing. Awesome. And I think there's some like um, really good reasons why I think it's important to write, at least for me. And I, I think it's, well, all of us, I think, have monkey minds in the sense that like we're always going from thought to thought to thought, Um, Mm -hmm. and we're always thinking about either work or life or or money or sports or whatever. We're just, we're just going from interest to interest. And I think that when I try to stop and attempt to articulate my innermost thoughts into words, it's, it's, that's when I first realize how little or how much I know about something. So I don't know if you've ever tried it, like, when you're like preparing to do a presentation at work, and you start writing about the project. You, you're like, wait a second. I actually don't know what that metric is. I don't know why <laughs> yeah. we're doing something. So you go back into the research or the the dashboard. Then you find out. And I find that writing is that exercise that just forces me to really understand something. Um, and nine times out of 10, when I start writing about something, I realize I don't know jack about this. So I've got to go back and, and keep learning about it. And I think writing also has this effect of being able to like test your knowledge knowledge about something, as I was saying. And like, I think Mm -hmm. testing yourself, that's like the most effective way of learning something when you test yourself on your understanding. So when I need to learn something, I'll start by writing about it, even if I don't know anything about it. And then I go and learn something and then I write about it some more and then I kind of rinse and repeat. And I find writing has this effect of, of, of one making my thoughts on something a little bit more concise, a little bit more well-formed. And then Mm -hmm. the other part is just like, just forces me to learn because I'm, I think humans always think they know a lot about something, but then when you actually like try to describe it, like, (laughs) oh wait, I don't know Jack about this, which is like, like I said, nine times out of 10, it's like, uh, man, I don't know anything about this. so. Um, I, I do enjoy it for that. Also, you know, it's a great excuse to just be like really quiet in the morning and just like yeah. be alone with your thoughts. Um, some people don't like that because you know their thoughts turn to dark places. Uh, mine sometimes mm-hmm. do as well. But it has really paid off in terms of like my design career. So it's like making a habit cool. of writing. Yeah, I'm just like being with my own thoughts. If that makes sense. Does yeah. That,
1: do you? Does that makes sense. You, yeah. Do you? Uh, do you write just about like? Work related things, or do you write about other stuff?
0: Well, right, I'm writing a book right now. Um, oh, nice! It's a it's a book uh, addressed to my son, and it's just basically a bunch of letters about the things that I've learned. Um, I was actually pretty That's inspired awesome. by Julie Jo, who who wrote um, uh, "Making of a Manager," and oh, yeah. in yeah. in her introduction, she said something interesting. She said that she'll never have the perspective. That she has right now, and even though she's not like mm. she admitted to not being the most seasoned manager, she said that like why why isn't this perspective valid? Because sure, right. I can I might come back and and look at this book and be like, no, it's it's not valid anymore. My thoughts have changed, and that's okay. And I think like that, that's the the approach I'm taking for my son is just like you know I'm writing about my perspective of, of who I am right now. And I'm sure that one day when I'm dust in the ground, he's gonna appreciate the fact that I wrote something, even though he disagrees with it. Right?
1: <laughs> that's cool. I mean, like that's ins- it's really inspiring to me because, like, I've always, I think writing's been the one area that I've always really struggled with. Like, mm. anytime I've, I've always wanted to be the person who writes maybe a bit more like blog posts or like share, um, a lot of what's in my head when it comes to either design sure. or other things, and. I find it really hard to do like I just it's not natural for me, and i it's something I've always like wanted to be better at or wanted to do more often, but just I think because I've struggled at it, I've never really put in the time or effort to try to do better yeah. um or make it more of a habit but it's it's cool to hear you talk about it in that way and use it as a especially like using it as a form to kind of like capture your opinions or perspective on things in a moment um mm-hmm. Cause I feel like there's so many times I've looked back at like roles I've been in or whatever, where I'm like, I can probably draw on some of my perspective from that time, like just in my head. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot that I probably am missing that I probably, that I wish I would have had somewhere captured. Um, sure. I just don't have. That's
0: really cool. I think cool. you're probably a better writer than you think. Cause I, I do remember at work you being, you leaving a uh, a plethora of comments on my doc. So <laughs> I think you're probably a lot better than you think you are. <laughs> fair, fair. I mean I can leave like
1: one off things. It's just like trying to articulate it all together in a place that is more I don't know, more structured. Yeah. yeah. I know I know I can do it. I think it's just like it's it's hard for me. It doesn't come natural. Sure. So I tend
0: to I tend to avoid it. Yeah. Um, yeah. You're gonna know, write this is epic uh, novel <laughs> of the design hero that names all his the layers. That's, that's <laughs> there coming. you go. Yeah. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to write a whole
1: <laughs> book about naming layers. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right. Well, what's, what's next on your list, man?
1: Um, next for me is uh, coffee. Um, I've become Ooh. really. I've become one of those like extreme coffee nerds that just spends way too much money on coffee equipment. Has <laughs> like a subscription to freshly roasted coffee beans that come into uh-huh. my house like every couple weeks nice. and uh, it takes me like 10 minutes to make a cup of coffee much to my wife's chagrin. Uh, <laughs> she's, like, she's like, can't we just have one of those like classic coffee makers where you could just throw on a pot for 10, like when we have, especially when we have people over, I'm like over there and like for like 10 minutes making some Chemex <laughs> like pour over coffee Um for people who probably n- don't always necessarily appreciate that level sure, versus yeah. something else. But What a good host I, though. I love it. I love it though. Like I just, there's something about the, I've, I've really recently too gotten more into understanding what makes coffee taste good or like the different like um, flavor notes and stuff that come out of coffee and how Mm -hmm. complex it can be. And um, I, I I spent a little too much money on a new espresso machine a few months or two ago. I probably have just as much money in my coffee equipment as I have in like laptops and stuff, which is (laughs) saying something. Um, but I just, yeah, I, I've become quite obsessed with it. I just, it's, it's a lot of fun. Like it's understanding all the details of how, like the, the, the technical aspect, like there's the really interesting thing to me is like, it totally fits into my, the way that I work in the sense that like, I've always been, blurring the lines between the very technical um like i i did a lot of programming uh in earlier in my career doing front-end development i still try to stay close to it so there's that like really um functional side of design that i'm Mm -hmm. really close to but i also love the creative like pushing the boundaries trying new things yeah aspect of of design as well and i feel like coffee does both of those things too. Like it's Mm -hmm. like in coffee, there's this very, especially when it comes to espresso, espresso is where that complexity like goes up another level from just your, your standard kind of pour over. I think because, um, the process of making espresso with it being this like highly pressurized, um, uh, method of extracting coffee. Like Mm -hmm. there are so many more variables that affect the outcome than there is in like pour overs and stuff because they're, they tend to be, and they have them to a certain extent, but they tend to be a bit more um, middle, like the middle ground of that where like, yes, you can ex- affect the flavor and, through your process and how much you're extracting out of the coffee, but it's not as like wild, like wildly different for in that spectrum. That spectrum, yeah. it like narrows in a bit more, I think in the pour over and like drip coffee process. Right. Um, but in espresso, because of the highly pressurized way that it is done in such like a, short amount of time with like, um, all that process put together, like it just, it brings out so much more complexity, which also comes out in like the flavor of the coffee too. That's why a lot of people sure. who really get into a coffee love getting into espresso because you can, you can find a new layer of the types of flavors and stuff that you get out of coffee through yeah. that process more than you'd get out of others. Mm-hmm. Um, which also introduces, a lot more bad coffee because it's very easy (laughs) to mess it up. (laughs) So you end up like experiencing a lot more like espresso is funny because there's so many times where one day you'll have a really great one. And then the next day you'll have like a bad one. Whereas like, if you just do your typical kind of pour overs or drip coffees, like you kind of just always have a pretty good cup. Like you never, you never really screwed up, but you also never really get to that next level that espresso gets. Um, that's fascinating. Like so, okay, like I, there, I, I need that, to ask. that's the that's the technical side of it too, and yeah. then there's like the creative aspect of like, um, understanding like flavors and stuff like that. That feels like it taps into the creative brain. So that's where I I just see that parallel to like design or or the way that I think about design, which is interesting. Sure.
0: Yeah, I, I've got to ask. Like, yeah, maybe you've already answered this, but like what is more important to you is it the actual act of uh, pulling the perfect shot or is it the taste of the shot itself like what what's the goal here like mm. are you like is, is it just about perfecting the technique or are they just like playing off yeah. each other
1: i think it's both like i think it's mm. totally both like there i really enjoy the process of of doing all the different steps to make it as good as possible mm-hmm. um and like the manual labor that goes into it um And like timing it, and like weighing it all, and just being like really trying to narrow in on getting those those details and values all perfect. I really enjoy that part of the process. But then there's like I think the tasting it afterwards is like the cherry on top, where you're just like, yes, like this tasted (laughs) this turned out great. Um, I enjoyed the process along the way, and so it like it's I don't know. It feels like that thing that people always talk about when it's like you enjoy something that you handcrafted more because you put in the effort to make it. Like yeah. you did the work. So that, that's what I like about making espresso. Cause it's like, yeah. it is work. it does take time. It does take effort, but then like it, it, it pays off yeah. Um, at yeah. the end.
0: Man. Okay. So from this conversation, you've inspired me to like get my ass off the couch and play sports <laughs> again. And then um, now I'm thinking I need to spend three grand on an espresso machine. Like, no, you can um, start,
1: you can start way cheaper than that. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you got to get your feet wet first. You got to get understand the basics, and then and then work your way up to expensive. Yeah, that's, that's fair.
0: But <laughs> we were just talking about this before we started the show. Like, why do designers seem to be obsessed with coffee? Like, is yeah. it what you, I think? You just maybe you just described the answer. It's I might. Like, yeah, there is a craft of it, and like, there is yeah. it, it, there's there's an art and science to it, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. But I, I wonder, because every resume I've seen from like a designer is <laughs> like, oh, I'm like fueled by caffeine and I'm just like I'm yeah, obsessed yeah. with coffee, right? I yeah. mean, I, I love coffee too, man. Like I, I drink, I just drink a lot of it. I'm not good at making it like you are. I'm just like, I will just drink it. Um, right. Uh, but I don't think I've ever been obsessed with like pulling the shot properly and like mm-hmm. testing the nuances of the shot. But now I'm, I'm getting inspired. Nice. Uh, Nice. What a curse, man. Yeah. I,
1: <laughs> I, 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 there's a lot of evenings where I spend like way too much time just watching YouTube videos of people explaining how to like, oh, really yeah. understand the layers of how to make it better and all that Ooh, who's stuff. Who's that guy? Um,
0: he's on, is it Hoffman? Is
1: that, yeah, James really Hoffman? It? Yeah. Oh, yeah. His yeah. stuff's great. He goes like so deep, um, right. in like the science of it all, and it's really interesting. I think uh, I love his that's, videos. that's one of those ways that I like definitely help disconnect from work. It's like, if I'm yep. just going down into that rabbit
0: hole of, of coffee is <laughs> fun. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, does your wife care about your coffee? Like does, does she like taste it and be like, Oh yeah, that that's much better. Yeah. So actually funny enough, like
1: since we had kids, um, she actually drank a fair amount of coffee, like before we had <laughs> kids. And then when yeah. she got pregnant, like she got, got totally turned off by it for some reason, oh. Like you know how there's just some like sometimes that happens right where you, your flavor profile like changes and you're just like ah that thing i liked i don't really and she still will have the occasional but she's not really as much into it anymore as she used to be oh, okay um, which right. is pretty funny that i've just gone even further down that path so it's just really me making them for myself all the time
0: you're you're just doubling down yeah 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 um i I have a, a super nerdy hobby. Uh, it's probably a lot nerdier than, than coffee. Coffee is like, I, <laughs> coffee seems like a really sexy. Yeah, uh, that's true. It's like
1: the, the approachable one. It's like, it's, it's okay if you're obsessed with it. Cause so many people seem to be.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you know, you drink it and you have the caffeine boost and it's very practical, right? Like I have mm-hmm. several impractical hobbies, <laughs> um, mechanical keyboards like because I write a lot, I, I'm quite picky about like yeah, yeah. you know how the key press is. So mechanical keyboards uh, uh, If you're not aware, um, mechanical keyboards as a hobby are where people uh, buy the case and they'll buy like the actual like plate that the key caps sit on, the switches that actually actuate the uh, the, the key press. Um, and then they'll go so far as like taking those switches, um, which you might buy uh, off a specialist. And then you take those switches apart and you actually lubricate the components inside each switch. And you do that for every single key. And Mm. that can take hours. And I think I remember um, in the depths of winter, just like sitting in my office at night for hours, like about two or three hours, just taking switches apart, lubricating the subsequent components and then reassembling them. and. Mm. Usually, what I do is I put on a podcast or something and just like enjoy myself for those three hours. But inevitably, the podcast stops and it, it, it ends, <laughs> and I'm just sitting in silence, just like lubricating switches. And I found this to be like just extremely meditative. And I mm-hmm. would always leave pretty energized, like even after doing like you know a batch of like a, a couple hundred switches, I'd still feel like pretty good because. You know, in, in that meditative state, I'm not really thinking about anything else except l- lubricating that switch component. <laughs> yeah. Um, which is similar awesome. to my other hobby that I, I'm gonna group into this, which is uh which is shoes. And uh, I'm I'm talking about dress shoes and boots. Um I I used to be a lot more into this, but I would spend just hours um doing what's called a spit shine or a a bull shine on shoes, mm-hmm. which is where you just layer up layer after layer of hard wax on a, on a, the toe of a shoe. And it just becomes like a mirror finish. And I just did this obsessively for years. Uh, But once again, just like keyboards, it was like this, this practice of meditation, just like doing something repetitive over and over again. So I don't have much to say about it, except that it's, it's really relaxing. And I find that um, after a long day of doing something that I didn't like, um, sitting down to like polish my shoes is actually like pretty sweet. So that's cool. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm not gonna go deeply into it. Like <laughs> like I said, it's not as sexy as coffee, but it no, is. It's, uh, it's yeah, great it though. It.
1: Like I, there's there's been a huge uh, uptick definitely in like the mechanical keyboard space like, mm. like lately, and I I've always been inspired to want to try making one myself at some point, but I also I also don't know. I feel like I would just mess it up and then be like, I should have just bought one ma- made already.
0: Oh, buddy. <laughs> buddy, if I can do it, you can do it. Like, right. I'm the, right. the least, least handy person. <laughs> and I, yeah, I've, I've broken a few boards for sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you, you, you've got to try it. I know you've got one. You've got the Keychron, right?
1: Yeah. I've got a Keychron that I like. Um, But I've always, I've definitely like seen some of the like even more custom ones or even like you hear the, the sound tests of some of the the keys that just sound like oh, so yeah. good. And I'm just like, Oh, that would be awesome.
0: Oh, That'd check out fun. the keycaps by uh, Tim Van Dam. Like, those Oh yeah. Sweet. Yeah. I've, i followed him
1: before. Yeah. His stuff, his stuff's really cool.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. That's, have you, have you made any
1: more recently? Like, I know you made a few back when we were working together and,
0: yeah. You well you bought me a more. gift card. Thanks, yeah, man. that right. uh, yeah, no just like totally entrenched me into the hobby a <laughs> bit more. <laughs> sorry, not um, sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but I, I haven't made any more. Like I've kind of uh put just taken the uh the foot off the gas on that because it's it's a money pit, right? So yeah, yeah. I'm just like saving up for other things. But uh That's cool. Yeah. I don't know, one day. One day when I'm when I'm like just um dying to like uh get back into meditation like i mm-hmm. think keyboards are are definitely the That's way to the go word. nice <laughs> and uh, the, sho-
1: the shoes is cool though too like i i always i've never really been into um polishing shoes but i definitely have uh a little bit of an obsession with buying a lot of pairs of shoes i remember oh yeah. one time counting up my shoe collection there was more than what my wife has <laughs> and it was a, it was a few too many but <laughs>
0: Are we are we talking it's, sneakers here? Or, or
1: yeah, more like sneakers and stuff. Like not as much the. I mean, I have a few like nicer, fancier pairs, but yeah, um, I, I yeah, I'm less less about buying those. Just more like any kind of random sneaker style or or different, yeah, different types like that. I've, I've yeah. definitely spent a lot of time buying too many. Yeah, <laughs> you have a walk-in closet with the uh, just uh, like a well-lit collection of your shoes. <laughs> yeah, we have in our actually in our master we have a pretty good size walk-in that has this like we 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 didn't put it in, but the original owners of the house had put in this like um, shoe rack like at the back of it um, that's like a couple layers high or levels mm-hmm. high, and you could we definitely have a few too many in there. <laughs> Hey uh sorry uh, we we got 10 minutes left. Do you have a meeting yeah. after this? Um no no, I just have like a all hands to join, but oh, okay, not, yeah, I, I won't I'm take late. you over
0: over 5 minutes late.
1: Um yeah, what, what's what's next on your list, man? Uh I mean the last one for me is uh is music. Um I mm. I grew up um so my dad my dad growing up um he actually went to college and stuff for for music. He's like an incredible piano player. Um, Mm -hmm. even actually owns and still plays an accordion from time to time, um, which is super random, but, uh, he was always like really big into music growing up. So when, um, when me and my, my brother and sister were little, like he definitely encouraged us to get into piano lessons, um, pretty early on. Mm -hmm. Um, and I really enjoyed that. Like actually all three of us are still quite musical. Um, and I did piano for a while. He, he had this like one kind of not really like rule, but like general guideline of if we wanted to move into learning like another instrument that he wanted us to get to like a certain level in piano first before moving on, which at the time I remember being like a little bit frustrated by because I wanted to move to guitar like really early on. Um, (laughs) But now I like really appreciate that he like encouraged us to do that. And I actually kind of wish I had done a little bit, uh, just a couple levels further um, so like I did grade four piano for anyone who's like aware of, um, kind of the, the grading leveling system of, of piano. I think it's probably different from in different countries and stuff, but, um, I went up to grade four, um, within like the Royal Conservatory, uh, wow, like music thing. And I had definitely like got to a decent level, but my wife, uh, she grew up, um, playing piano as well. And she went to oh, grade yeah. six, um, like two further levels. And I like to this day, she's like a lot more capable of being able to like just pick up um, some sheet music and actually play it. Whereas like I feel like I've lost that more. I, I mm. think I needed to go like a level or two further to just kind of hit that point of it ne- um, having a bass line that would be harder to forget, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. Even though like at the time, I definitely like, learned a lot, but. At that time, I shifted over to guitar um, and have played guitar ever since. So like I I own several guitars. I've played in bands um, when I was younger, uh, but got really into um, guitar equipment too. Like I really love tinkering with, this is actually probably the closest thing that I have to like the, your mechanical keyboard tinkering mm-hmm. is uh, guitar pedals. Um, I actually worked at a music store in high school Um, and just loved like playing with all the different types of guitar pedals that we had in the store, um, experimenting with like random sounds, but then also tinkering with like, um, creating patch cables for like wiring up your own pedal board. Oh my God. Um, and like, um, I've learned all the ins and outs of repairing and fixing guitars too. So, um, that's probably the, like, I think this is probably the only hobby I have where I actually have an element of like that tinkering, like hands-on tinkering, yeah. Um, because all the other ones, I, I tend to shy away from that. Like I'm, I'm not a repetitive task person. Like I actually get, um, more frustrated by repetitive tasks than, <laughs> than not. And I, I can never really get to like the meditative state. Cause I know so many people love that. And like mm-hmm. even what you were describing, I was like, oh, I wish I could get there. But I just like, I always just feel like there's a faster way. <laughs> so I get frustrated <laughs> if I can't find a faster way to do something. Um, but so weird
0: though, because you're such a patient person,
1: yeah. But it's, yeah, it's weird. It, I think it, I don't know if it comes a bit from programming background too, of like, Uh. I, I would, I'm that mentality of like, we should be, we should be able to write a script for this. Like, I'm (laughs) that, like, I have that mentality when it comes to repetitive tasks. Uh. Um, so yeah, like, even, even in design, I feel like that's why my, my, Figma files sometimes are like light with a thousand different explorations because I'm just like, yep. oh, I've already <laughs> figured that out. I don't need to do another like five <laughs> of that. Um, I don't know. Maybe that explains something. Who knows? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so so music's been I, I actually did uh tuba in high school. I played in concert band all wow. through uh high school and and loved that. Um and yeah, I've just I, I find for me, anytime I'm like stressed or feeling like I do need to like completely disconnect even during the middle of the day, like when it's not an opportunity for me to like go play sports or something like that, I'll just grab my guitar for, for a couple minutes. minutes. Um, and it's just a good way to like, uh, it actually doesn't make me stop thinking, but it actually helps me just like refocus. Um, Cause I can play without having to think about what I'm playing. Yeah. Um, but it just like helps me focus in on like one thing. And so if mm. I'm like trying to wrap my head around an exploration of something that I can't, really like narrow down into I'll like play guitar to kind of unlock a bit of inspiration or something.
0: Um, you know, I, I, I yeah. don't know what it feels like to play music. Like I've never done it mm. and I don't nope. know what it feels like. It, it's like, it's very foreign to me, but it sounds yeah. like you're describing something that is pretty meditative, right? Like, yeah, you can't, yeah. like, are you, are you thinking about something else when you're playing music? A lot of times. Yeah. A lot of times I oh. am. It depends. Oh,
1: okay. Like if I'm learning a new song, like, no, but if I'm just playing something that I already played a thousand times or know really well, or I'm just kind of like doodling around on the, on the guitar a bit. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I'll be, I'll be a lot of times thinking about something
0: totally different. That, that's amazing. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I, I know people like my wife, she plays piano too. And like, right. I don't know, she's like it's difficult for her to describe like what it feels like to play music. Like, yeah. Like when I'm like, I don't know, assembling a keyboard, I'm not thinking about anything except just like putting the keys together, the switches together. Mm-hmm. Like, but it seems like you gotten to the point of like being so comfortable with like the notes and like knowing what note to play next that you can think about other things, which is mm-hmm. to me mind blowing. Like I, I can't even imagine a human being able to do that, but somehow <laughs> it's possible. Right.
1: Yeah. I, the other thing I really loved about music too was um when I played in some bands growing up, we did some recording, um like, like made a couple of albums and stuff and Mm -hmm. going into a recording studio and doing that process of actually recording a song is such a cool experience. Um, And it's so uniquely different from like playing in front of a crowd or playing Mm -hmm. like just by yourself, because Mm -hmm. when you're playing by yourself or playing in front of people, there's an element of like, you don't have to be perfect. Like you, like, I don't know if you've ever gone, like if you've gone to a lot of different bands or whatever like if you pay attention enough or like you know the music enough you'll even yeah. the best bands in the world will like make a few mistakes cuz like it's more about creating an experience creating the the right. like atmosphere and like there's a lot of nuance in music where like especially with a band there's all kinds of things going on and in a live setting and that's not like recorded you'll miss those little like mess ups those little things that happen so it's less of a yeah. big deal but in recording it's all there and you have to like You have to nail every single part. And yes, there's (laughs) techniques like you can go back and retry it a a bunch of times, but it's like a totally different process um, than when you're playing live. Um, It's just like, it's really unique. It adds like another element to to it that I find really intriguing. It sounds
0: incredibly stressful and I'm (laughs) definitely not going to do it yet. (laughs) Um, I've got one more. I've got one more. Um, What you got? Watches, man. Ooh, like, watches. Yeah. Uh, expensive money pit of a hobby. Love uh, I, I don't have a whole huge collection. I've got a couple pieces that I, I you know, Seiko's that I really quite like. Mm. Um, but I think of watches as this like beautiful blend of like art and engineering and yeah, typography. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it kind of sounds a lot like, like product design. And I'm like, I uh, think just like most products, watches can like skew towards being like, serenely beautiful or it could be like exceedingly practical and like utilitarian Mm utilitarian but once in a while like I think you'll stumble upon a watch that kind of strikes that perfect balance and I feel like that's like the sweet spot that we we think about in product design where something could be like very useful and like solve a user problem but also be like really beautiful Um, but I I don't think I've come across a watch that strikes that perfect balance that I can (laughs) that I can actually afford. Uh, yeah. I, I've always had a lookout. Um, but yeah, no, watches just like, uh, it, it's a dangerous hobby. Like you can go yeah. down this like a rational hole of like, yeah, I can I can afford that, but I shouldn't. Right.
1: <laughs> have, you, have you spent a lot of time like taking them apart?
0: In, yeah, yeah yeah I have like on some of my cheaper watches like right. a, like, like a really old vintage Seiko I'll take it apart and That's like cool. put it back together and like yeah, see yeah. see how it all works right That's um awesome. which is very similar to how like I'll just like clone the code base and just like try to figure yeah, out yeah. like you know where every, where all the resources are and where all the the assets are um yeah it's just, it's a dangerous obsession but That's I'm cool. happy to call myself a like a horological nerd
1: <laughs> I love that I've I it's, I mean, I've always been a Apple Watch user and wear now for like yeah. since they came out. And the only part of it I, I really enjoy using them, um, but the only part that I've always been a bit like sad about is that it kind of prevents me from diving into like more mechanical watches and stuff. Because mm, yeah. um, I've, I've like I see them in stores or like online or like when people share like ones that they've gotten or whatever, and I'm always like, oh man, that would be cool. I should. I should get one, but then I'm always like, wait, I'll never wear it because I just like wearing my Apple Watch all the time. Yeah, yeah, that's but a common problem. Yeah. Yeah, I. That's the only part that I think like I. I used to buy more watches before the Apple Watch because I did enjoy them. I never got anything expensive because I was I didn't have any money back then. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's the that's the one part I miss. I'm like I should get into it, but I really shouldn't because I have too. Many
0: don't do it. Yeah, yeah, don't do it. <laughs> but actually, by the way, did you actually buy the um the Ultra? The oh Apple yeah, watch I ultra? did. I, I watched. Oh, you the got ultra. it. Yeah, yeah, I did. <laughs> I knew you would. Oh, which one? Which I col- I went back what and color forth. did you get?
1: Um, well, the ultra just come like the case, the the watch itself only comes in the one titanium, but I got the like green Alpine strap with it. Oh, right, um, right. That looks really cool. But yeah, it's it's really nice. I'm glad I switched. It just like Wild. it actually. So ironically, I was talking to Alex about this. He commented that he really liked it because it actually felt more like a real watch. Um, And I totally, the minute I tried one, I went to the store and tried one and I totally got that vibe because I think because it has more external shell to it, like it's a bit bigger, it's a bit beefier. It's got kind of like the, the more unique design around the crown and the extra button on the other side that when this, if you like look at them side by side without the screen on either of them, the ultra actually has more of a real watch appearance um, than like the series eight does. Yeah, uh, I think just because of the like extra size and like extra details that are on it and like the little rim that extra protects the screen. Like it's really cool because it's a bit um, it's a little bit polished on the side. So you get these like little glimpses of like um, shining reflection. And then the other areas of the titanium are, are more of like a flat appearance. Yeah, right. right. Um, and it has I don't know, there's just like more
0: going on with the shell of it, that it does yeah. feel a lot more watch-like to me. Do, do, um, do you find like the extra size sort of gets in the way of your sleeve and stuff? Like, does it get caught because it's that much bigger? No, it, it's, it's, it's bigger, but it doesn't really feel that much
1: bigger um, wearing. Like, I mean, I always, I always kind of like rolled back my sleeve a little bit when I was yeah. wearing a watch. Cause I just like not having to pull back my sleeve every time yeah. I wanted to look at it. So I was already used to doing that. Um, no, I haven't experienced anything yet where it actually feels bulky. Like it it feels like a good balance size.
0: God damn, you're making me think now. I'm like you should go go, go to, try one. Go to the store and try it. Yeah, I should go in the store and try it. Anyway, like, I'm yeah. not going to tempt myself. Uh <laughs> <all right. laughs> Do it. Do it. <laughs> anyway, I hope you enjoyed listening to me and John ramble about our, our nerdy little uh, side hobbies. Um, yeah. I, do, I doubt anyone hear. got this far. No. <laughs> <laughs> we lost everybody after yeah. shoes. Yeah.
1: After like um, 25 minutes in, they're like, <laughs> but if,
0: if, if you did hang on, uh, we want to hear from you. Like what are some of your hobbies that you feel, uh, make you feel more connected to the craft of design or, or maybe the opposite, which hobbies disconnect you from your day job? Uh, drop it on Twitter would love to hear it from you. Hey, thanks, John. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go to the Apple much. store and uh, yes. contemplate spending another $2,000 on a watch. You should do it.
1: Not, it's not that much.
0: It's cheaper than that, so you're fine. Oh, okay. <laughs> thanks for <laughs> that. <yeah. laughs> see you, John. Yeah, see you. The Fidelity Podcast is hosted and produced by John Rundle and Bill Chung. Visual brand design by Amy Deborah. Rate, review, and subscribe to Fidelity on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you download your podcasts.